0: Welcome to this week's edition of the Baseball America College podcast. Today, it is February 17. We have finished opening weekend, mostly. A lot of teams are taking advantage of, of President's Day to, to kind of extend opening weekend uh, to get a fourth game in, uh, and Joe and I are, are going to do that as well. Uh, we're actually recording this a day early. We're, we're on Sunday night, and uh, we just finished ranking our top 25 so we're uh, we're just gonna roll roll with the podcast right after right through the top twenty five meeting, Joe. We uh we don't normally do this. We usually take a night to sleep on it, but we're gonna have some, I guess, more instant reaction for the listeners today. Yeah, I think that'll be good. I mean, it's certainly
1: fresher in our minds at this point and, and I think that'll be good for this discussion because it was not an easy one. I'm sure you the listener, if you've been paying attention, you know it was there's a lot of carnage at the top of the rankings. We'll put it that way. So it was not easy to try to figure out what we were gonna do. I mean, there was some philosophy going on, kind of a philosophical debate about, you know, who should get moved up where, because um, there 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 are a lot of different potential answers, um, and and we debated many. So um so I think it's good that we're kind of giving this instant reaction because like we're going straight from that debate to kind of hashing it out maybe in a little more long
0: form here. Yes. Yeah, so if you haven't seen it at baseballamerica.com. Com, the new top 25 is topped by Michigan. Yes, the Wolverines are the new number one team in the country after going 3-1 and one in Arizona. That includes a win against Vanderbilt and a win against Arizona State, who were both preseason top three teams. So, very impressive weekend for the Wolverines. Number two, we're going with, we got Florida at two, Miami, Miami. Three Texas Tech 4 Vanderbilt 5 Louisville 6 Georgia 7 and Arizona State 8 for the rest of the poll you can check out baseballamerica.com the rest of it looks a lot less uh, a lot less changed in the re- rest of the poll Mississippi is the lone team coming into the, the rankings they come in at number 15 after beating Louisville in a series there in Oxford, Ohio State drops out to make way for Ole Miss. They went two and one. Uh, that normally keeps you in the rankings, but but this week we had to make room for Ole Miss, and uh, and so Ohio State uh, drops just off of the the top twenty five there. So, headlining this, of course, is that Michigan is the number one team in the country. This is so fresh; I haven't had a chance to do the research when the last time that happened was. Uh, so I'll have that online. You can check that out in Off the Bat or probably in the poll itself. But, Joe, we we talked about the idea of Michigan being number one. We talked about the idea of Florida being number one. I briefly considered the idea of leaving Vanderbilt alone. They went one and two. The losses were both in the ninth inning, uh, blown save situations. Ultimately, though, we, we end up with Michigan because it has those two top three wins. um, Florida, meanwhile, swept Marshall convincingly at home, but it is Marshall and it was at home. Um, and, And it's just a little harder. It was a little harder for me to, to split what Florida did from what Miami did or, or even Texas tech. Although I think tech's competition was a little lesser than, than what the two Florida schools saw. So we went with Michigan and you initially were, were not on board with that, but I, I was able to sway you.
1: Yeah, I mean, it's just it, it seemed like a, a leap to make from eight to one. but you know kind of the way you the, the way you put it is that, you know we're still kind of let me, let me let me take a step back. This early in the season is not necessarily the point where we start doing the look at the resume game uh, because it's only one weekend. and if this type of weekend happens, Six or eight weeks from now, it's a little bit different story, but this is week one. And, and I think you and I are both of the mind that we try not to overreact necessarily to small sample sizes, particularly this early in the season. But when you're left with what we had, you kind of have that has to play a little bit of a role. And so, our other option, our, our, the other option we, we truly debated the most was Florida at one. But the point you made, and I agree, I agree and I, this is kind of what, what swayed me to, to put Michigan one, is that. At this point in time, we're kind of looking at Florida, and yes, okay, they they swept Marshall handily, but we're still kind of projecting Florida to be really, really good. Michigan, of course, we you know there is some projection there still. They still have to do it, but what they've shown us is the high-end ability to travel across the country to Arizona, uh, you know, to beat Vanderbilt, to win two games on Saturday. They had to beat Cal Poly in Scottsdale, and this is no small thing. I mean, beat it's one thing to win two games of a doubleheader. It's another to win one game of a doubleheader in one city, get on a bus, drive across town, get off the bus, and then immediately start to play again. And oh, by the way, that game was against the number three team, then the number three team in the country in Arizona state, and then really handle them. I mean, you were there for that game and they, they really, there was really no point in which Arizona state uh, threatened in that game against Hadger and uh, particularly offensively. So, um, When you take that into account, I mean, I think with, like I said, it's a lot of options that we kind of felt meh about. But given that Michigan was a team we already had a lot of belief in, given what they showed us this weekend, which was more impressive than than really any of the other teams that were in the top 10 that we could have conceivably moved up, it was far and away the best resume. So it's a little early to be playing the resume game, but we really kind of were left with with no choice.
0: Yeah, I don't like to talk resumes at this time of year, partially because I just don't know who's good and who's not good yet. Um, you know, it could turn out that these wins that I think are so good for Michigan turn out to be not so good. Now I don't think they're going to be awful. You know, I, I think that we, we know that Vanderbilt is going to bounce back and, and that Arizona state is going to, going to bounce back and, and that the Cal Poly is going to be a solid team. But you know, I, I don't know what Marshall is, frankly, you know what if Marshall is competing to to win the win conference USA like they did three or four years ago whatever that was that they finished in in second place um you know what, what if that's the Marshall team what if Rutgers under Steve Owens really takes a big step forward and instead of being one of the worst teams in the Big Ten they're at least a middle of the pack Big Ten team and, and then that looks so much better for Miami than, than what we're looking at now so I don't I don't love to play the, the resume game at the, at this juncture just because I don't know, and none of us know, but when Vanderbilt goes 0-2 as as the number one team, when Louisville loses a series at Ole Miss, and when Arizona State goes 2-2, two and two, winning uh, two games against Villanova but losing that game against Michigan, we're, we're left with this vacuum here. And, you know, as much as I believe in the talent at Florida, I, you know, to put them at number one right now, just felt a little much. Um, whereas, you know, Michigan has these two wins that we at least right now think are good three wins, sorry, uh, that, 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 we at least right now think are good and, and believe will be good, uh, throughout the course of the season. And, you know, I, I love the talent at Michigan too. I mean, I, I feel like I've made that clear, um, throughout the, the preseason, the offseason, go back to last season, like I've, I really like the talent at Michigan. So, you know, it's, uh, it's different. It's different to jump a team from eighth to first, uh, basically at any juncture of the season, but especially on opening weekend. Uh, but this weekend was, was not a typical weekend, and it certainly wasn't a typical opening weekend.
1: Yeah, and we, you know, you look at the teams we have at the top here too, and, and this is, projecting forward a little bit, which we can do later in the week and, and more in depth, but you know, there's gonna be an opportunity. The thing about it is the the teams we have up near the top are, are gonna to have continued opportunities to prove themselves. Michigan's got another series with Yukon coming up, or a, a true three game series down in Florida. That's not gonna be easy. You know, Yukon showed a little something this weekend even if it didn't really go truly like they would have wanted it to. And then Florida and Miami play each other this weekend. So um now that could confuse the
0: issue more if Michigan loses that series and then, you know, well, no, if Michigan loses that series, the winner of Florida, Miami is number one. And sure. I'll just say that short of a sweep of UConn, Michigan stay at number one could be short here. Like, I really hate the idea of dumping a, a team off of number one for going two and one. But, you know, if, if Florida or Miami looks really convincing this weekend, I mean, I, I would view the top spot is pretty open right now. We have Michigan number one because we have to. We have to have someone. But I I would say that this situation is much more fluid than I usually view the number one.
1: Yeah, I mean, and and that's not to give short shrift to Michigan, but that's just kind of the reality. I'm not not not
0: trying to do that at all.
1: Yeah, I mean, it just could be a transitional, um, you know, in in pro wrestling terms, they'd say it might be a transitional (laughs) champion, you know, where they're trying to get the belt you know, a belt from one good guy to another good guy, but it has to go through a, a heel first. You know, a heel is a bad guy. You, you've, you've lost um, me on this one, Joe. I'm not really a pro wrestling guy anymore, <laughs> but, you know, there was a time when I was a kid when it was, and you'd see that where there's, like, a transitional champion because they have to get the belt from another guy, but the storyline doesn't call for it to go from one guy to the other. So, um, so yeah, I mean, th- that very well could be that. But I guess the point I was making, though, too, is, like, there is the possibility where it's not quite that clean, and we're sitting here again next Sunday trying to figure out what we're going to do with these teams that did various levels of impressive things. But uh, I mean, that's what makes it fun. I mean, we'll sit here and kind of agonize over this stuff. Um, But at the same time, um, it is kind of fun to see a little bit of a little bit of parody and to have to make these kind of decisions. Um, And I'm, of course, all for the idea that like, you know, uh, this is more than uh, I mean, it's clear at this point that it's more than just a one year thing that Michigan got to the CWS finals last year. But but it is kind of neat to see that okay, wow, this team is, is really backing up that performance with what they've already done this year.
0: All right, so that is what happened in the top 25. Let's get to what happened on the field, which is, frankly, way more interesting. Uh, Joe and I are both still in Arizona. We were in Arizona all weekend. Um, as, as you guys know, either if you've been listening to this podcast or following us on Twitter, uh, Arizona was kind of the epicenter of college baseball, Uh, for opening weekend with the MLB four tournament where, um, you know, Michigan and Vanderbilt, UConn and Cal Poly all were, Uh, Oregon state was hosting its tournament. The angels had their tournament uh, and and Arizona state and and grand Canyon were both home as well. So there's a lot of baseball that we all saw um, or, or that we saw down here. Obviously we're coming away very impressed with Michigan, but Joe Vanderbilt, walks out of here at one and two and that's a team that we spent a lot of time this preseason saying was really really good and that i thought could go back to back i picked them to win the national title and you know now they're they're at one and two which is is not what we would have expected here so they did lose these these two games in very tight fashion they had a very good chance to walk out of here at three and zero, but they didn't Why is that? And should there be any level of concern with Commodores fans?
1: No, I don't think so. I mean, think about it this way. I mean, I think Vanderbilt fans and, uh, you know, Tim Corbin and the team would take the position they were in, you know, back on Friday night where they're up a run. They've got Tyler Brown on the mound in the ninth inning. Um, What happened with Michigan there is probably not, if you play that scenario out 10 more times, Tyler Brown gets a save in eight of them, nine of them. Um, so those things are just kind of going to happen. So I I don't, I mean, to, believe that was some sort of harbinger of things to come would be to believe that Tyler Brown's not going to be able to close out games for him. And that seems silly because I, (laughs) I think there should still be a lot of, a lot of belief in them. So really, I mean, we're talking about two one run games here and you were at today's game against Cal Poly. I was not, so I can't really speak to that. It seems like that game was maybe a little bit uglier. Uh, maybe there was like a little bit more going on in that one, but from what I saw, I mean, this is... I mean, the thing about Vanderbilt, too, is maybe this is just the time to get them. I mean, obviously, we rank them number one. Obviously, they've got these high-end players with, you know, Rocker and Martin and and Hickman and, and Eater and Brown, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. But it's still a really young team in a lot of spots. I mean, they're starting a freshman catcher who, you know, had nice moments over the weekend, by the way. I mean, he was he was great at the plate on, on Saturday um, in their win. So he's had his moments, but, you know, that's kind of um, – but he, and he's not the only freshman they've run out there. They've had all kinds of new players out there, so it's still a pretty young team. So maybe this is just a situation where, this is the time when you can get Vanderbilt, and maybe by the time April or May rolls around, it's it's a little bit of a, a different story. So I, I think it's a situation where it's I don't think there's any real reason, for concern here. Um, I, you know I I certainly liked what I saw individual talent wise. Kumar Rocker minus one inning on Saturday was Kumar Rocker, and Mason Hickman was Mason Hickman on Friday. Um. So, obviously, we you know we we reserve the right to change our minds if if things really do kind of start to go south on Vanderbilt. But I certainly don't anticipate that happening based on two one-run losses in which they were leading in the ninth inning. That that just seems like that'd be alarmist of me.
0: Yeah, I think that's fair. The um the game today, the, the Sunday game, Jake Eater just didn't really have it. They tried a few guys out of the bullpen, and it was. It was up and down. Um, Eater's going to be better. He didn't have command of his secondaries today, and, and they'll get that corrected. Uh, we didn't see Jack Leiter uh, at some point. We'll, we'll see what Jack is all about, what he can bring to this uh, this pitching staff. Um, so I'm excited to see what that looks like when, when, when that opportunity does arise for him. We know there are going to be growing pains. I would say the one thing I would be Concerned is too strong, but one thing I'm, I'm looking at that they're I know that they're going to need to clean up is that they made four errors today, um, and that's very unVanderbilt like, and that's why they lost. Is that they, they had these four errors and that contributed to the ninth inning rally for Cal Poly, and uh, they got to get that fixed. And I I assume that they will. I know how much emphasis Tim Corbin puts on defense, but that that's one area where they've got to be better, and they've got to be better in a hurry. I would say um, that I trust Jake Eater and Tyler Brown to, to work things out. But the, the defense with so many new players in key positions, a couple freshmen up the middle. Um, this is that that's something that, that needs to be worked on. And I know will be worked on, but yeah, I mean, at the end of the day, they leave with two, one run losses in, in games they're winning in the ninth inning. I, that, that's going to be fine. And Tyler Brown is, is strong enough mentally that I don't think he's going to be bothered too much by by these uh, two blown saves. I, I think he's going to be able to put them behind him and and move on, um, like you expect a good closer to do. So we'll we'll see where that goes from from here. But you know that it, it was a strange weekend for Vanderbilt. We knew that there were going to be growing pains. They I just maybe didn't expect them to show up in quite the ways that they they did on on opening weekend. The other big-time result from the weekend was Ole Miss beating Louisville. Louisville won the opener behind Reed Detmers. They uh, they kind of controlled that game. It was close early on with Nikhazy and Detmers both throwing pretty well, and Louisville kind of pulled away late, but it was a pretty strong victory for the Cardinals. And then the next two days, Ole Miss bounced back, got wins. Louisville had chances late, but – Ole Miss was able to hold on, in some cases by the skin of their teeth. They won the finale on a strike him out, throw him out, double play. Um, not not your typical game ending. Mike Bianco told me he thought that he probably had been involved in a game that ended that way, but but he couldn't couldn't pinpoint it. I I mean I maybe I've seen that before. It feels like something you must have seen before, but I don't know. Uh, but the point is, Ole Miss gets a win. Uh, on Sunday to, to finish the series off Gunnar Hogland was really good for them on Saturday and, and then they were just pretty solid uh, offensively uh, throughout the weekend af- after Detmers um, on Friday night and this is another really young team and, and the reason why we didn't have Ole Miss rank coming into the season is just there was so much newness and we weren't quite sure what to expect especially in that lineup when you look at you know all the losses that they had a season ago uh, you know in terms of, of Thomas Dillard and Greg Kessinger and uh, Cooper Johnson, those guys are all gone. And, and, and in a lot of cases, they've been replaced by freshmen. But the kids are all right at Ole Miss, it looks like.
1: Yeah, it certainly looks that way. And, you know, if, if you were to ask me if, if there's any concern over Louisville, I might have a little bit different answer than I did with Vanderbilt. Maybe a little. Um, you know, certainly part of that is injury based. Um, you know, we got, you know, Lucas Dunn and now Alex Benellis uh, with hamate surgery um that's typically an injury you can uh, you know Shea langoliers had that for baylor last year and it's typically one you can return
0: fairly quickly from however there's a a month long the standard is a month but the problem is you can come back before you're fully recovered so it saps your power in a lot of cases now that wasn't the case in langoliers last year but in most cases you break your handmate just the way you hold the bat like that winds up sapping some of your power, which for Alex Pinellas is really bad news if, if that comes to pass.
1: Yeah. So, I mean, so, and you know, those two guys are a big part of what they're doing offensively. And and whenever we talked about, you know, what Louisville was going to do offensively, the conversation really started with those two. Now there's other pieces out there. Zach Britton's a nice piece and, you know, Justin Levy is a veteran piece out there. So it's not to say they're going to be lost offensively, but with those two guys out, that's really tough. And then you look at some of the issues they had over the weekend and it, Kind of mirrors a little bit of of something that, you know, we saw last year a little bit where, you know, Bobby Miller on Saturday is a guy with absolutely electric stuff, but Ole Miss was on him early. Um, And that's not to say this could be atypical. However, you know, Bobby Miller for all of his stuff last season, ERA, you know, four and a half, five, something, you know, between those two numbers. So wasn't always the cleanest. And uh, Luke Smith was was okay today, um, but just okay and Detmers is great on the front end, but they're going to need one of those two guys, or, or somebody else, I guess, uh, but we assumed it would be one or both of those guys. They're going to need one or one or both of those guys to be something special on the weekends, I think, and that was a lot of my optimism for Louisville and my picking them for, to win national championships is not because I thought they'd have this dynamic offense, although I thought they'd be very good. It was more just that Detmers is great. He's already great. I think Bobby Miller could be great, and then if you're telling me that your third spot is, is just pretty decent. That, that could be good enough. So, um, and they had some bullpen struggles this weekend on top of it. So um, my worry level is a little bit higher on Louisville when you, when you stack the injuries on top of some of the problems that we saw this weekend, kind of mirroring
0: weaknesses of last season a little bit. Yeah. That one's going to be interesting. No Benellis is a problem, but you know, he'll come back ACC play starts in like two weeks. So obviously he's going to miss the start of that, but he'll be back before too long. And you know, they're going to be good. It's just a matter of how good they can be. And a lot of that is going to ride on how good Bobby Miller gets. Um, The stuff is really good. Just like, how is it going to play? And then who else is going to step up in the lineup? Levi Usher looked pretty good this weekend. It seemed like so. You know that's a, a nice piece from a, a junior college transfer that, you know he's he's a different kind of player, but he'll add some speed at the top of the lineup. And Louisville it looks like going to be just another uh, it's going to be fast again. It's not necessarily going to be a power hitting team for a while at least. So I'll be interested to see where they go from here. Um, but more than what happened with Louisville, I think I was a little more impressed with what Ole Miss did. That the the newcomers came in. They uh, they produced pretty well right away. Kale Baker and Hayden Leatherwood, both junior college transfers, uh, both key additions to the lineup from from the jump, and and that's that's very important. Kale Baker hit a couple bombs on Saturday in that win, and Hayden Leatherwood picked up a bunch a bunch of hits, so I that's big. And then Hayden Dunhurst behind the plate does the strike him out, throw him out, double play, throws it from his knees to to get Levy running at, at second and. You know, that's an impressive play. And, and so if if those guys, those newcomers can seamlessly, seemingly seamlessly anyway, slide into the lineup and, and produce like that, you know, that's a really good sign for Ole Miss going forward. Because while Nikhazy maybe wasn't at his best, I trust Doug Nikhazy to be really good. And Gunnar Hogland was very good. So those two guys at the front of the rotation, if the lineup and defense can answer the questions that, that were raised because of all the departures, like I, I think I feel like Ole Miss can compete in an SEC West race that at least right now still looks very wide open to us. And we in the poll reflect that by jamming them right up with the rest of the SEC West teams that we can't separate the LSU, Auburn, Arkansas, Mississippi state mix um, from nine to 15. Now they're all in there. I don't know who's going to win the division, but it's probably going to be one of those teams. And I'll be very interested to see how it sorts itself out over the course of of the SEC season.
1: Yeah, one of the things we talk about with the really great programs, and and Louisville, interestingly, is a program we probably say this about more than anyone else, is that, you know, it's great to have these freshman classes or, you know, recruiting classes with with junior college players in the case of some of these other guys they come in and are are stars right away. It's it's equally or perhaps more important to develop guys along the way. And so you, you look at guys like Tim Elko and Kevin Graham, guys like that and maybe they're just ready to make jumps both had their moments this weekend that would be really huge too that you're not just kind of uh, you're not just banking on these guys who really start opening weekend to be doing the same thing in late April when suddenly they're playing more games than they've ever played in their lives and the pitching is better than they've ever seen before and uh, also oh by the way they're college students now and like college is hard sometimes so that I think that's really important to have those guys that have been depth pieces become uh, go grow into starring roles. There's the opportunity for Ole Miss to show that as well.
0: Yeah, absolutely. That, that's, that's definitely a key. That's how you keep these things running because it can't just be freshman and junior college transfers every time. It, it has to be just the development piece. That, that's a big part of it. Uh, so a couple series wins that I thought were significant that weren't in the top 25 mix because the one spot that we were forced to create <laughs> went to Ole Miss we, we didn't even talk about anything else uh, Joe and I didn't in terms of creating the top 25 who might come in, but both Texas and Cal state Fullerton, I thought kind of put themselves on the radar, obviously not for this week to, to jump in, but I think we might be seeing both of those teams, traditional powers coming off of very disappointing seasons in which they both missed the NCAA tournament. They, they both start the season very well going on the road, Texas, uh, you know, not not a too terribly long of a trip from Austin to Houston, but they went on the road to Rice, swept the Owls. Fullerton goes up to Stanford, their traditional uh, opening weekend series. They they win two out of three at Sunken Diamond. Did did either of those those jump for you, Joe? Yeah, I think Fullerton over
1: Stanford more so than, than Texas over Rice. I, I'm just still not sure. How far
0: I, is that trip from Austin to Houston?
1: I've made it, but you've made like it more about often. Two and a half, three two hours. Half, okay. Yeah, it's, so it's, it's really, a big road
0: test. It's, yeah, <laughs> it's really,
1: really not too bad. You stop at a Bucky's halfway, you know, um, it really breaks up the trip. So, not, not too terribly bad. But, but. not a Sheets. Not, that's, that's not what we learned that, from mike rooney not in that part of the country yeah goodness gracious <laughs> that man does not care for sheets that's what i learned my goodness i've never disliked anything more than mike rooney seemed to dislike sheets holy cow but yeah you stop at a bucky's part way through it's it's a fine trip so um yeah but i i still don't know what to make of rice like i like some of the individual talents on rice i think they're i like a good poke bowl that's what i like to make with rice yeah yeah i'm more of a uh, yeah you know, I've come around to like different types of rice. Like, I used to be kind of just like, a – well, I like fried rice, but who doesn't like fried rice? Um, but you know, I tend to be more of like a white rice over a brown rice. But now I do like a, you know,
0: a brown rice or like a seasoned definitely bit. definitely brown rice all the way.
1: Yeah, but I think I'm, I think it's a sign of my palate expanding a okay. little bit as, as I get a little bit older that I'm opening my my mind to that kind of stuff. But uh, I, so I don't know what to make of that team. I think it's it's probably um, this might be damning with faint praise because conference USA isn't what it was, but I think it's probably a, you know, a top four or five team in CUSA, uh, which is to say that, you know, it's a team that if things break, right, could, you know, um, you know, challenge to, to win the conference tournament. And maybe you could squint hard enough and see a team that, I don't know, puts together something like an at-large resume because they play difficult, a difficult schedule, you win enough of those games, you know, they could be in that mix. So, but that's being said, I'm not going to bank on that. Whereas with Stanford, I think we have a pretty decent idea of what Stanford is. We don't have them ranked. Um, others do, but, you know, they were certainly kind I'll of— guess it did,
0: but did I, I, I don't want to speak for right. anyone else. You can look at their polls today.
1: <laughs> probably not anymore, right. But point being, you know, they were like, depending on who you asked, they were, you know, a solid top top 20 to 35 team. Um, so I, I think we have a, a good feel for what Stanford is, and that was a— they're still, I, I, you know, even with this, I think we think a solid regional team— Um, with maybe perhaps a limited ceiling but a pretty high floor given some of the pitching they have back. So um, I think that's a really good win for Fullerton. And, I mean, this is big for Fullerton just because that's kind of been the problem recently for Fullerton is that they'll win some of their games in Big West play and they'll maybe split some four-game series against some decent competition. But the last couple of years, at least you know, thinking back on it, we're a little bit devoid of – these kind of resume changing series wins. And so I think that can, I mean, it just, I think the evidence for that is just the fact that their RPIs have just never really seemed to be anywhere near where they needed to be. And so I don't know that this Stanford win is going to really be something that, um, ends up being, a, 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 a make or break thing, but certainly it's a step in the right direction from where they've been the last couple of years.
0: Yeah. And for as much time as I've spent kind of hating on the big West, this off season, um, it cut off to a nice start. You got this series win for Fullerton. Cal Poly goes two and one in the MLB four tournament. Obviously, finishes off uh, the weekend with that big win against Vanderbilt. UCSB beat uh, Sac State. There it is, uh, the WAC favorite on the road, right? That that was in Sacramento, and you know. So those are three teams at the at the top of the 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 conference. Ter- last year traditionally whatever that that got off to nice starts and then lawn beach which last year finished in last place and just a ton of turmoil all season long, uh they start the eric valenzuela era off or era off there it is with a with a nice series win of their own so the big west coming out firing here in uh, in 2020 yeah and that's that's the um yeah that certainly bodes
1: well for their success and it um the, the 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 issue with that league has not been the quality. I think we've all kind of believed in now, the quality is not where it was, say, ten years ago. I mean that there's no comparison there. But what I'm saying is looking at them as like, oh, that's a one bid league and they're really gonna have to work to get two bids probably doesn't reflect the talent in some of these teams out there. It's just a function of the computer numbers, specifically the RPI, that just hasn't been where it needs to be. So I certainly would welcome uh, the Big West getting into contention to get two and maybe three teams in. Who knows? Let's, let's really dream big here. Uh, but certainly a really good start. Um, you know, you and I talked on the podcast uh, coming into the weekend about like, hey, maybe this is Cal Poly's year to kind of get back into that. And we've obviously talked about UC Santa Barbara. I wrote them up as an under-the-radar team. So I think we're – and Fullerton was really, frankly – uh, not a team we've talked a ton about coming into this season. I mean, I think there's an assumption that, oh, well, they're going to be at the top of the Big West. They always are. But I don't know that you or I really felt necessarily all that strongly about them as a, as a regional team. But uh, maybe this changes that calculus a little bit.
0: And there's a reason to like a lot of teams in the Big West. Yeah, I, I don't know which this says more about, whether it says more about Stanford or whether it says more about Fullerton. But Fullerton only gave up four runs on the weekend. Only two of them were earned. So we expect Fullerton to pitch, but that was a problem last year, was that they weren't pitching. They actually were decent offensively. That's usually the reverse. But they had a pitching issue last year. At least opening weekend suggests that that might be resolved, and the offense was still pretty solid, uh, maybe even better than solid. They scored seven, 13 runs uh, in their two wins uh, at Stanford. So I, I think that you know it's too early to say Fullerton's back. I don't want to say that yet, but that, that's a really nice start for the Titans. Uh Joe, was there anything else that, that stood out to you around the country? I know that's a vague question. A lot happened. We had Grand Canyon beating Oklahoma State. We had Army winning on opening day and nearly winning a series at Duke. Duke needed a, a, a rally uh on Saturday to even that series and then they handled the rubber game pretty well. But Duke very nearly ended up with a, a losing weekend against Army. Um, you know, there, there were, uh, there were some, you know, big time, uh, you know, numbers individually, there was John Rice Plumley eating a sandwich in the Ole Miss dugout that got some play. I mean, that's the highlight. Um, yeah. you know, that there, there was, uh, there was a lot going on. So there, there were umpires going crazy. Well, yeah, um, that's... what, 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 what jumped for you this weekend? Well,
1: I mean, the umpiring thing was interesting. I mean, just quickly on that. I mean, I actually was getting asked about that. I don't know about you, but. Um, I got asked about that in press boxes like wherever I went this weekend. It was definitely a topic of conversation. Like, you know, what happened and what was it that the umpire thought he did, and so on and so forth. If you so- haven't
0: seen it, what happened on Friday night was in the ninth inning of Michigan's game against Vanderbilt. Uh, freshman Jimmy Obertop took a called strike that he clearly didn't really like, uh, and then draws a line in the batter's box. But he's drawing the back line of the batter's box, not not. So perpendicular to the plate, not where he thinks the ball crossed, which obviously is generally a no-no, but seemingly where he should be putting his foot in the batter's box. He's drawing that line with his bat. It's not facing the umpire when he does that. doesn't do anything as far as we can tell, and the umpire ejects him, no warning at all, just throws him out of the game. So, yeah, so there was that. Um, I I actually wanted
1: to give a little shout-out. That was a good, maybe just because we're out here in Arizona and there's decent number of west coast teams out here like i kind of maybe was a little more in tune to what's going on, on the west coast but i feel like a shout out just in general to the west coast we talked about the big west having a good weekend but i think just kind of in general uh pepperdine goes three and O at the angels tournament and you know that wasn't necessarily a blockbuster field of teams out there you know san diego minnesota oregon uh but pepperdine goes three and 0 that was a really good weekend for them uh shouts to portland uh outscored nevada 27 to 1 uh in a double header on friday uh ends up sweeping the series with a six to four win today sunday uh so shouts to the pilots i can't imagine Yikes. they've i can't imagine they've had many doubleheaders in their program history where they've scored more than 27 runs if at all maybe back in the days when they were playing more um you know lower division teams uh, there was a time when division one programs did a lot more of that just in general so there was that uh lmu uh winning a series with washington um, that's, that's a big deal there. Nick Frasso returned to the rotation, uh, over the weekend and was, was solid in his first go round. Obviously him being able to be a starter really raises the ceiling for what the lions can do. Uh, San Diego finished off their tournament, uh, at the angels, uh, the deal with the angels, uh, with a win over Minnesota today, they went two and one. So there was, I think it was just a good weekend for West coast teams in general. Um, it remains to be seen what becomes of that obviously, but, um, uh, I came away kind of impressed with, Uh, Maybe the depth of quality teams we have out there, again, small samples, we'll always have to be a little bit careful with that, but uh, speaking in absolutes, but it it felt like a pretty good weekend uh, for teams in that part of
0: the country. Speaking generally, again, the, the ACC didn't have a bad weekend necessarily, but for a conference that we thought was going to be one of the more robust ones, I didn't think it had an outstanding weekend there are a lot of good results if you go look at what unc did you see three and oh like that sounds really good but it was more of a fight than you might expect florida state lost on opening day to niagara duke lost to to army um these these are things that we weren't really expecting and and for the most part you know we look at whole weekends that's that's what i want to do i don't want to pick out like oh well florida state lost to niagara can't do that you got to sweep like i mean yes but it is for, for a league that that is trying to put in 10 11 teams in the tournament you do kind of need to nitpick it a little bit i feel like and so that's that's going to be something to watch is is the acc as robust as as we thought it was maybe it's just a, a tough weekend um you know some of my feeling about this is definitely being influenced by the fact that Louisville, which I thought was clearly the best team in the conference, took a loss, a, a series loss. So turn that around, and I'm, I'm probably not viewing it this way, but that that is going to be something to, to look at going forward. Part
1: of that weekend for the league, of course, was, was Virginia losing a series, but I actually want to talk about the flip side of that. would be remiss if we didn't talk about Oklahoma. Winning that series with Virginia for a couple of reasons. I mean, one, it, it really ended up kind of flying under the radar because you've got these tournaments, you've got the series with, with Olmis and Louisville. So, well,
0: and like, I just feel like if Virginia had been ranked, and we were very close to ranking Virginia in the preseason, it probably doesn't fly under the radar because then it's a, it's a ranked series, but it wasn't. So it, it did. And it was in Pensacola. It right. It wasn't on TV or. Right. It? So it wasn't
1: streamed. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so all that factors into it for sure. But it was impressive the way in which Oklahoma, the way in which Oklahoma won the series. They lose the Friday game, they lose the game with Cavalli on the mound, uh, but they come back and win both ends of a doubleheader on Saturday. A tough thing to do against anybody. Um, you know, Tyler Hardman had a really good weekend. They're going to need him uh, to be a real dude in the lineup. I, I believe in the lineup more than you do. We've talked about that on, in the preseason, but uh, I will. You know, I can even admit that if they're going to be as good as I, you know. If they're going to show any improvement, Tyler Hardman is probably going to have to uh, to be a you know um, you know first team All Big Twelve type guy in the lineup. So that's part of it. He had a he had a big weekend. Uh, really liked what Dane Acker did.
0: Um, you know he was impressive in that the second game of that doubleheader.
1: Yeah. So to fill out the rotation, um, you know Cavalli, you know uh, was just okay on Friday. Had his moments. Um, certainly showed, you know, the ability to dominate at times, but it was, it was kind of a start we've seen from Cavalli before where like, there's some good things, there's some not so good things and you end up kind of just, eh, you know, shrugging your shoulders on it. So we'll kind of have to see, cause there's as much as I like the arm, as much as, you know, uh, people who are paid to, uh, scout these players like the arm, um, there is still like a little bit of question about like, is he a workhorse? I mean, he was pretty decent last year, but missed some time with injury only through 60 some odd innings. Maybe it was 60 on the nose. Now that I think about it, uh, which is about half of a full load. If you're going to be a, a pitcher that gets into the, the post season and, and makes a deep run a little more than half, maybe. Um, so there is still some questions there, but, but Prater was good. And then Dana Acker was, was, was really good. So, uh, you know, if you're going to bet on Cavalli bouncing back a little bit, if, if they get you know, a better version of Cavalli and then Prater and Acker like they were this weekend, Oklahoma's going to be in really good shape in the rotation. So I think that's all good news for the Sooners. You, you take it all. It's a, I mean, it, a neutral site series for sure. Um, even though it probably felt more like a road series for Oklahoma and then the way in which they came back to win that series, I think was, was all pretty impressive. So, uh, shouts to the
0: Sooners for sure. I, uh, we, we, we've covered a lot of ground here. I want to, touch on just one more thing and it's uh opening day is such a joyous time opening weekend is such a joyous time i i don't really want to delve into this too deeply but uh we do need to to talk a little bit uh, about this or or just throw it out there anyway um coastal carolina coach gary gilmore we've known for a few weeks that that he might have liver cancer they coastal announced uh announced as much in late january and then Gilly after coastal one on opening day confirmed that after more testing, they have found liver cancer and that he's on a waiting list to go to, uh, a really good hospital in Houston to, to get it treated. And whenever they call him to, to that, that he's, he's ready to go. He's going to go and, and take a leave of absence. And so, you know, that's really tough for just in normal life. Um, it, it's, I can't imagine trying to, you know, go through a, a baseball season or any part of a baseball season uh, like that. Prepare for opening day like that. Gilly did say he told reporters and in, in Conway that, you know, that opening day game that was probably the first time that that for three hours he didn't think about the diagnosis since since he heard it. So, I guess baseball is being a, a little bit therapeutic there uh, for Gary Gilmore, like it is for a lot of people around the country. So. We're definitely thinking of Gilly. I know a lot of people around college baseball are thinking of him. He has a ton of respect from uh, from, from his peers in the game and, and, and from everyone uh, that really interacts with him, I feel like.
1: Yeah, absolutely. He's one of the guys in the game you, you don't hear any bad things about, um, just kind of universally well-liked, certainly very, very successful. Uh, of course, the baseball is, is secondary here, so we're certainly rooting for uh, Coach Gilmore. You, you know he's going to fight like hell. Um, we can guarantee that and, and certainly hope that he, uh, he gets well soon and, and, and comes out on the other end of this. Uh, certainly we will all be rooting for that. And, um, you know, <laughs> just, you know, this is such a difficult thing to talk about, but, but certainly you knowing what we know about him, we know he's going to fight and it, you know, it just, it wouldn't be a shock to see him beat this and, yeah, and come absolutely. out on the other end. So I know that, you know, you and I are not doctors. We cannot make any sort of like prognosis on that, but I mean, we know there's more to it than that. However, you know He's such a fighter on the baseball field and, and coaching his teams, and so um, he's going to bring that to, um, to his fight with cancer, and, and he's got a, a great team there. He's going to MD Anderson. As a Houstonian, um, I'm very familiar with MD Anderson's work, um, largely thought of as, as one of the very best cancer hospitals in the world, um, so he's going to be getting top-notch care there. So certainly thoughts are with Coach Gilmore and with, with the doctors who are going to be working uh, with him.
0: Absolutely. So my apologies for ending it on a, on a somber note, but every once in a while, real life does intervene on this, uh, this wonderful game that we all like to, to take some time to, to appreciate. So I, I I did want to mention that. And, you know, we are, we are all thinking of of coach Gilmore as as this continues with that, Joe and I are going to wrap it up here. We will come back with another podcast Later this week, I believe that will be on a Thursday. But if you just subscribe to the Baseball America podcast on your favorite podcasting app, be that Stitcher, Google Play, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, it'll just pop right in your phone and you don't have to worry about it. So if you do that, take some time to subscribe. If you can rate and review us, we greatly appreciate that as well. Uh, we're, we're still trying to uh, figure out some, some things as to what the, the second podcast is going to be Going forward this season, we know we'll talk about the upcoming weekend. We want to get into some big picture topics. But if you, uh, if you have things that you want us to, to talk about or questions, uh, you can either drop us a note on Twitter. I'm at Ted Cahill. Joe is at Joe Healy BA. Or if you uh, just want to drop that straight into Apple Podcasts uh, in, in a review and tell us, uh, tell us what, you're, what you're looking for, ask us a question there. We will find it there as well. So either of those options, uh, quite all right with us. We really appreciate you guys, uh, for, for listening today, for following us along for going to baseball America and reading all the great stories we have over there. I think they're great. Anyway, I wrote some of them. Those are definitely great. Uh, <laughs> it's, we're so glad that the season is finally here. You know, we love the preseason stuff. I love putting together all of that, trying to figure out who's going to be good and whatnot. But what I really love is, is the results, right, Joe? No, that, that's right. I mean, if we, uh, if we just did nothing but perpetually
1: write about <laughs> baseball that hadn't happened yet, like, man, that would be, that would be pretty bleak. So yes,
0: uh, certainly glad that they're playing games. On the other hand, we would never be wrong. That's true. No, that's so, a good point. You know, pluses and minuses. That's a good point. But there'll be more games throughout the week. Like I said, we're, we're going to, to more games, uh, you know, here on, on Monday and Joe's got one lined up Tuesday. So we, there's plenty of baseball now this time of year. And so we will be back here to cover it all on the baseball America college podcast. So thank you to Joe. Thank you to everyone for listening. We'll see you again on the next edition of the baseball America college podcast.